International Short Stories, Volume 2, English Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gilles Leblanc. International Short Stories, Volume 2, English Stories. Edited by William Patton. Section 23. An Undergraduate's Aunt by f anstey author of vice versa etc frederick flushington belonged to a small college and in doing so conferred upon it one of the few distinctions it could boast namely that of possessing the very bashfulest man in the whole university but his college did not treat him with any excess of adulation on that account probably from a prudent fear of rubbing the bloom off his modesty they allowed him to blush unseen which was the condition in which he preferred to blush he felt himself oppressed by a paucity of ideas and a difficulty in knowing which way to look in the presence of his fellow-men which made him never so happy as when he had fastened his outer door and secured himself from all possibility of intrusion though it was almost an unnecessary precaution for nobody ever thought of coming to see flushington in appearance he was a man of middle height with a long scraggy neck and a large head which gave him the air of being much shorter than he really was he had little weak eyes a nose and mouth of no particular shape and very smooth hair of no definite colour he had a timid deprecating air which seemed due to the consciousness that he was an uninteresting anomaly and he certainly was as impervious to the ordinary influence of his surroundings as any undergraduate well could be he lived a colourless aimless life in his little rooms under the roof reading every morning from nine till two with a superstitiously mechanical regularity though very often his books completely failed to convey any ideas whatever to his brain which was not a particularly powerful organ if the afternoon was fine he generally sought out his one friend who was a few degrees less shy than himself and they took a monosyllabic walk together or if it was wet he read the papers at the union and in the evening after hall he studied general literature a graceful term for novels or laboriously spelt out a sonata upon his piano a habit which did not increase his popularity fortunately for flushington he had no jip or his life might have been made a positive burden to him and with his bedmaker he was rather a favourite as a gentleman who gave no trouble meaning that when he observed his sherry unaccountably sinking like the water in a lock when the sluices are up flushington was too delicate to refer to the phenomenon he was sitting one afternoon over his modest lunch of bread and butter potted meat and lemonade when all at once he heard a sound of unusual voices and a strange flutter of dresses coming up the winding stone staircase outside and was instantly seized with a cold dread there was no particular reason for being alarmed although there were certainly ladies mounting the steps probably they were friends of the man opposite who was always having his people up but still flushington had that odd presentiment which nervous people have sometimes that something unpleasant is on its way to them 
and he half rose from his chair to shut his outer oak it was too late the dresses were rustling now in his very passage there was a pause a few faint smothered laughs and little feminine coughs then two taps at the door come in cried flushington faintly he wished he had been reading anything but the work by m zola which was propped up in front of him it is your mild man who frequently has a taste for seeing the less reputable side of life in this second-hand way and flushington would toil manfully through the voluminous pages hunting up every third word in the dictionary with a sense of injury when as was often the case it was not to be found still there was a sort of intellectual orgy about it which had strong fascinations for him while he knew enough of the language to be aware when the incidents approached the improper though he was not always able to see quite clearly in what this impropriety consisted the door opened and his heart seemed to stop and all the blood rushed violently to his head as a large lady came sweeping in her face rippling with a broad smile of affection she horrified flushington who knew nobody with the least claim to smile at him so expansively as that he drank lemonade to conceal his confusion you know me my dear fred she said easily of course not how should you i'm for goodness sake my dear boy don't look so terribly frightened i'm your aunt your aunt amelia come over from australia the shock was a severe one to flushington who had not even known he possessed such a relative he could only say oh which he felt even then was scarcely a warm greeting to give an aunt from the antipodes oh but she added cheerily that's not all i've another surprise for you the dear girls would insist on coming up too to see their grand college cousin they're just outside i'll call them shall i in another second flushington's small room was overrun by a horde of female relatives while he looked on gasping they were pretty girls too many of them but that was all the more dreadful to him he did not mind the plainer ones half so much a combination of beauty and intellect reduced him to a condition of absolute imbecility he was once caught and introduced to a charming young lady from newham and all he could do was to back feebly into a corner and murmur thank you repeatedly he was very little better than that then as his aunt singled out one girl after another we won't have any formal nonsense between cousins she said you know them all by name already i dare say this is milly that's jane here's flora and kitty and margaret and that's my little thomasina over there by the bookcase poor flushington ducked blindly in the direction of each and then to them all collectively he had not presence of mind to offer them chairs or cake or anything and besides there was not nearly enough of anything for all of them meanwhile his aunt had spread herself comfortably out in his armchair and was untying her bonnet strings and beaming at him until he was ready to expire with confusion i do think she observed at last that when an old aunt all the way from australia takes the trouble to come and see you like this you might spare her just one kiss flushington dared not refuse he tottered up and kissed her somewhere about the face 
after which he did not know which way to look he was so terribly afraid that he might have to go through the same ceremony with his cousins which he simply could not have survived happily for him they did not appear to expect it and he balanced the chair on its hind legs and resting one knee upon it waited patiently for them to begin a conversation he could not have uttered a single word the aunt came to his rescue you don't ask after your uncle samuel who used to send you the beetles she said reprovingly no said flushington who had forgotten uncle samuel and his beetles too no how is uncle samuel quite well i hope only tolerably so thank you fred you see he never got over his great loss no said flushington desperately of course not it was a, a a large sum of money to lose at once i was not referring to money said she with a slight touch of stoniness in her manner i was alluding to the death of your cousin john flushington had felt himself getting on rather well just before that but this awkward mistake for he could not recollect having heard of cousin john before threw him off his balance again he collapsed into silence once more inwardly resolving to be lured into no more questions concerning relatives his ignorance seemed to have aroused pathetic sentiments in his aunt i ought to have known she said shaking her head they'd soon forget us in the old country here's my own sister's son and he doesn't remember his cousin's death well well now we're here we must see if we can't know one another a little better fred you must take the girls and me everywhere and show us everything like a good nephew you know flushington had a horrible mental vision of himself careening about all cambridge followed by a long procession of female relatives a fearful possibility to so shy a man shall you be here long he asked only a week or so we're at the bull very near you you see and i'm afraid you think us very bold beggars fred but we're going to ask you to give us something to eat i've set my heart so have the girls haven't you dears on lunching once with a college student in his own room there's nothing so extraordinary in it i assure you protested flushington and and uh, i'm afraid there's very little for you to eat the kitchen and, and buttery are closed he said this at a venture as he felt absolutely unequal to facing the college cook and ordering lunch from that tremendous personage he would rather order it from his own tutor even but if you don't mind potted ham there's a little at the bottom of this tin and there's some bread and an inch of butter and marmalade and a few biscuits and there was some sherry this morning the girls all professed themselves very hungry and contented with anything so they sat around the table and poor flushington served out meagre rations of all the provisions he could find even to his figs and french plums but there was not nearly enough to go around and they lunched with evident disillusionment thinking that the college luxury of which they had heard so much had been greatly exaggerated during luncheon the aunt began to study flushington's features attentively there's a strong look of poor dear simon about him when he smiles she said looking at him through her gold double glasses there did you catch it girls just his mother's profile turn your face a little more towards the window so as to get the light on your nose 
don't you see the likeness to your aunt's portrait girls and flushington had to sit still with all the girl's charming eyes fixed critically upon his crimson countenance he longed to be able to slide down under the table and evade them but of course he was obliged to remain above he's got dear caroline's nose the aunt went on triumphantly and the cousins agreed that he certainly had caroline's nose which made flushington feel vaguely that he ought at least to offer to return it presently one of the girls whispered to her mother who laughed indulgently what do you think this silly child wants me to ask you now fred she said she says she would so like to see what you look like with your college cap and gown on will you put them on just to please her so flushington had to put them on and walk slowly up and down the room in them feeling all the time what a dismal spectacle he was making of himself while the girls were plainly disappointed and remarked that somehow they had thought the academical costume more becoming then began a hotly maintained catechism upon his studies his amusements his friends and his mode of life generally which he met with uneasy shiftings and short timid answers that they did not appear to think altogether satisfactory indeed the aunt who by this time felt the potted ham beginning to disagree with her asks him with something of severity in her tone whether he went to church regularly and he said that he didn't go to church but was always regular at chapel on this she observed coldly that she was sorry to hear her nephew was a dissenter and flushington was much too shy to attempt to explain the misunderstanding he sat quiet and felt miserable while there was another uncomfortable pause the cousins were whispering together and laughing over little private jokes and he after the manner of sensitive men of course imagined they were laughing at him and perhaps he was not very far wrong on this occasion so he was growing hotter and hotter every second inwardly cursing his whole race and wishing that his father had been a foundling when there came another tap at the door why that must be poor old sophie said his aunt fred you remember old sophie no you can't you were only a baby when she came to live with us but she'll remember you she begged so hard to be taken and so we told her she might come on here slowly after us and then an old person in a black bonnet came feebly in and was considerably affected when she saw flushington to think she quavered to think as my dim old eyes should see the child i've nursed on my lap growed out into a college gentleman and she hugged flushington and wept on his shoulder till he was almost cataleptic with confusion but as she grew calmer she became more critical she confessed to a certain feeling of disappointment with flushington he had not filled out she said so fine as he'd promised to fill out and when she asked if he recollected how he wouldn't be washed unless they put his little wooden horse on the washstand and what a business it was to make him swallow his castor oil it made flushington feel like a fool this was quite bad enough but at last the girls began to go round his rooms exclaiming at everything admiring his pipe and umbrella racks his buffalo horns and his quaint wooden kettle holder until they happened to come upon his french novel and being unsophisticated colonial girls with a healthy ignorance of such literature 
they wanted flushington to tell them of what it was all about his presence of mind had gone long before and this demand threw him into a violent perspiration he could not invent and he was painfully racking his brains to find some portion of the tale which would bear repetition when there was another knock at the door at this flushington was perfectly dumb with horror he prepared himself blankly for another aunt with a fresh relay of female cousins or more old family servants who had washed him in his infancy and he sat there cowering but when the door opened a tall fair-haired good-looking young fellow who from his costume had evidently just come up from the tennis court came bursting in impulsively oh i say he began have you heard have you seen oh beg pardon didn't see you know he added as he noticed the extraordinary fact that flushington had people up oh let me introduce you said flushington with a vague idea that this was the proper thing to do mr lushington mrs no i don't know her name my aunt my cousins the young man who had just been about to retire bowed and stared with a sudden surprise do you know he said slowly to the other i rather think that's my aunt i'm afraid not whispered flushington she seems quite sure she's mine well i've got an aunt and cousins i've never seen before coming up to-day said the newcomer and yours is uncommonly like the portrait of mine if they belong to you do take them away said flushington feebly i don't think i can keep up much longer what are you whispering about fred cried the aunt is it something we are not to know he says he thinks there's been a mistake and you're not my aunt explained flushington oh does he she said drawing herself up indignantly and what does he know about it i didn't catch his name who is he fred lushington he said that's my name and who are you if he's fred lushington she inquired turning upon the unfortunate owner of the rooms i'm frederick flushington he stammered i'm sorry but i can't help it then you're not my nephew at all sir cried the aunt thank you very much said flushington gratefully you see her real nephew was explaining to her there isn't much light on the staircase and you must have thought his name over the door was f lushington so in you went you know the porter told me you'd been asking for me so i looked in here to see whether you had been heard of and here you are but why didn't he tell me she said for she was naturally annoyed to find that she had been pouring out all her pent-up affection over a perfect stranger and she even had a dim idea that she had put herself in rather a ridiculous position which of course made her feel very angry with flushington why couldn't he explain before matters had gone on so far how was i to know pleaded flushington i dare say i have aunts in australia and you said you were one of them but you asked after uncle samuel she said accusingly you must have had some object i cannot say what in encouraging my mistake oh i'm sure of it you told me to ask after him said the unhappy flushington i thought it was all right what else was i to do 
the cousins were whispering and laughing together all this time and regarding their new cousin with shy admiration very different from the manner in which they had looked at poor flushington and the old nurse too was overjoyed and declared that she felt sure from the first that her master frederick had not turned out so undersized as him meaning flushington yes yes said lushington hastily quite a mistake on both sides quite sure flushington isn't the man to go and intercept any fellow's aunt i wouldn't have done it for worlds if i had known he protested very sincerely well she said a little mollified i'm very sorry we've all disturbed you like this mr mr flushington the unlucky man said something about not minding it now and now fred perhaps you will show us the way to the right rooms come along then said he i'll run down and tell them to send up some lunch they did not explain that they had lunched already you come too flushington and then after lunch you and i will row the ladies up to byron's pool yes do come mr flushington the ladies said kindly but flushington wriggled out of it to begin with he did not consider he knew his neighbor sufficiently well besides he had had enough of female society for one day indeed long after that he would be careful in fastening his door about luncheon time and if he saw any person in cambridge who looked as if she might by any possibility turn out to be a relation he would flee down a back street End of section 23